Hello and welcome to the LifeGate Free Will Baptist Podcast. We are so glad you could join us today. Our aim is to connect with others and share the good news of the gospel, that God loves us, that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins, and that anyone can have eternal life through trusting in him alone. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it with your loved ones. Additionally, you can contact us by using the information provided in this episode's description. Now, let's join Pastor Jason for a sermon titled, A Message of Hope. It's always a good idea to bring your Bible to church, and uh, don't take my word for it, uh, take God's word for it. And so if you have your Bible this morning, Isaiah chapter 7 is where we're going to be at today. Isaiah chapter 7. I want to speak to you on the, the subject this morning of having a message of hope. God is giving a message of hope, and he continues to uh, throughout the Christmas season. But the Christmas time in particular is a time of hope, a time of hope of those that didn't have any hope, a time of those that were discouraged that God brings hope to us. And we're going to look at uh, one of the Old Testament passages about the virgin birth this morning, and it is indeed a message and a prophecy of hope, uh, even to those that were back in um, the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7, it's uh, about halfway through your Old Testament. Isaiah is an amazing Old Testament book. Some people call it a Bible within a Bible. It's uh, 66 chapters. We have 66 books. And so it is the second most quoted um, book in the Old Testament from people in the New Testament. Uh, The only other one that's in front of Isaiah would be the book of Psalms. Uh, It's quoted uh, more than the book of Isaiah, but Isaiah is second. Uh, A lot of verses in Isaiah are quoted in the New Testament uh, by various people, uh, Jesus being included there. And so we uh, are very thankful to have God's Word and a copy of God's Word and how God puts the prayerfully God will help us to connect the dots this morning to be able to see the message of hope this morning as we get into this. Isaiah chapter 7, give you plenty of time to find your spot there. We're going to pick up in verse number 1 to kind of give you a little bit of a context of, of the passage there, and uh, this is uh, when, uh, after, if you think about, uh, you know, all the, the first king of Israel um, was Saul, the second king was King David, and uh, people are usually familiar with both of those guys, and uh, from King David, uh, the wisest man that ever lived other than Jesus, uh, Solomon was his son, and uh, Solomon, uh, his son after him wasn't so wise, and he ended up messing up things and splitting the kingdoms. And so the kingdom split into two pieces, uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, one of them was called Israel. The other one was called Judah. And uh, this, is, this passage picks up when they were split apart. In fact, they were, it was so much rivalry at times between the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah or the, or the people of David or city of David, uh, they would actually fight each other. So the Israelites would be literally fighting each other. Israel would be fighting Judah, different tribes fighting this, each other. And uh, just a, a, not a good situation at all. They finally ended up going into captivity. But during those times when they were split apart, they had different kings. Um, and some kings were bad. Some kings were good. Uh, most of them were bad. But this, uh, this is where this picks up. Um, Ahaz is the king of Judah. And so you remember, you'll see a guy's name, uh, Ahaz, here in just a minute. He is the king of the southern kingdom, of the, ki- the, the kingdom of Judah. And so the, much smaller than the kingdom of Israel it only consisted of a couple of tribes, and, and this is where it picks up at. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1, It came to pass in those days that, uh, 
Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzzah, the king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramah, Remelah, king of Israel, went up against Jerusalem to war against it, and they could not prevail against it. Now it goes on and tells you a little bit about the war. What had happened was Israel was uh, lining up with a foreign, another foreign army to attack Judah. They, their intent was to come take Judah over and uh, put their own king there over Judah and make a confederacy between those three. And uh, as you can imagine, you're the smallest one. You've lost a lot of people already. Uh, Ahaz was not too, you know, too happy about this. And they were moved, the Bible says. <clears throat> they found this out. Their, their hearts were moved as the, the trees of the willows. As wind moves trees, their hearts were moved. And God steps in and he sends a man named um, Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah the prophet goes to Ahaz and he tells him what God has told him. And so uh, this guy Ahaz is not, he's not one of the good kings. He's not on the good list. In fact, he's a very bad king. Isaiah, uh, Ahaz was known for doing things. He melted down the, some of the silver and gold from the, the temple of God and you, just to get the gold out of it. He, uh, he had pagan worship set up all over the nation of Judah. He, he encouraged people not to worship the Lord. In fact, he, he was one of those people that actually in 2 Kings it tells us he, he offered one of his sons as a sacrifice to one of these foreign gods, a Moloch or whoever it was. Wicked guy. So, you know, somebody that if you looked at him, he would never entail God's favor. He wouldn't invite God's favor. And he was at odds with God. And he didn't want anything to do with God, really. And God sends Isaiah to this man that was in power. Have you ever noticed that strange people become power? You know, they, they end up in power all the time. You know, whether it's dictatorship or whatever it is. It seems like, you know, somebody. Anyway, let's go on. Look at verse 7 with me. Thus said the Lord, it shall not stand. He sends Isaiah to tell him this story and tell him this prophecy and says, It shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is risen, and within threescore and five years shall Ephraim, or Israel, uh, be broken and not be a people. I'm sorry, Ephraim shall not be a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is uh, Remelah's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. He's coming to uh, Ahaz, and he, tell, he confronts Ahaz, Isaiah does, and he has his son with him too. We'll mention him here in a minute. But he has his son with him, and he comes and he confronts uh, Ahaz as he's traveling, and he says, Ahaz, don't worry about these two nations that are coming against you because neither one of them will last, and neither one of them is going to take you over. Neither, and God's going to protect the nation of Judah, not necessarily for Ahaz at all, but because of God's promise he made to David that the lineage of David would come the Messiah later on. And so God was going to protect his interest there and make sure that prophecy comes to be fulfilled and so God's going to step in he sends Isaiah to him and he gives Ahaz a very stern warning in verse number nine look at the very last last part of the verse nine if you will not believe surely you will not be established now God's will is going to come to pass the nation of Israel or Judah is going to survive this the God, uh, the Messiah is going to come through the lineage of David. Now, all that's going to come to pass. God's not going to, you know, go backwards on any of his promises. But what he is telling uh, Ahaz here is if you stop and turn back to God, if you will believe God and work with him and walk with him and submit yourself to him, God will preserve you. God will lead you. God will protect you. God will give you hope. 
But if you will not believe, all bets are off. If you believe, you will receive. If there is no belief, you will find no relief. He is telling uh, Ahaz that he needs to get things right with God because God's not doing this because he's found favor with God. God's doing this because of the promise God has made to the nation of Israel and to the people uh, and, and everybody in the world as, as a whole that the nation of Judah would be the, the lineage in which they, uh, the king, the Messiah, would come from. Look with me in verse number 10. Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz and saying, Ask of me, ask thee a sign of the Lord. And Isaiah is telling him, look, king, God's going to prove to you that he is a real and true and living God. You think of this guy's background. He's done all kinds of pagan worship. He didn't really want anything to do with God, Jehovah God, Yahweh God. He didn't want anything to do with the God of the Bible. He was doing all these other pagan practices, and he was kind of living up in that atmosphere. He didn't really want to worship God. And Isaiah says, look, God will prove to you that he's the one to be trusted. Just ask a sign, any sign. Whether it's in the depth or in the height above. Verse number 12 says, and Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. It's kind of a false piety there. He's not really worried about the Lord or, or being justified before the Lord. He just doesn't want God's help. And he really didn't want to make a scene where you know, publicly he was renouncing, I don't want God to do a miracle. I don't want God to prove to me that he's going to, cap, uh, you know, take captive those other two. And God says, and I, I love Isaiah, and God has convicted me this week uh, over reading Isaiah. And, and Isaiah confronts this man that does not believe in God and does not want to live for God. He knows who God is, but doesn't want to live for God. He wants to lead the nation away from God. And God has called Isaiah to stand at a time where men had to stand with his life on the line, stand before this man, this king, with God as his only witness. And he was going to stand there delivering the message that God had given him. Not message that he wanted to, not the, what was popular in that day. But he stood there in the face of that man that did not want to know God, did not want God's help. And he declared God's goodness to this man that did not want to hear it. Thank God for people like Isaiah. Amen. But I want you to see something here. We're not going to go back and read chapter 6 this morning. But Isaiah could never stand in front of the king and proclaim the, the glory of God and the mercy of God and the message of God if he had not first come to the point he did in chapter 6 where he was surrendered before God. He was convicted before God. He was called before God. And God led him to where he was. God give us some people like that, some pastors like that, preachers like that, that will stand up for the truth of the word of God no matter what the consequences are, no matter whether it's popular or not, whether it's politically correct or not, whether it's something you'll be ridiculed for, whether your church will come under persecution because of it. God give us the men that we need in the nation today to point people back to Christ. And I'll show you what I mean here just a little bit later because I, I read a a document this week or a survey this week over some pastors and some mainline denominations and very high numbers, I thought, uh, up to 50% on some of them. One of them were 60%. And if I said the denominations, you would know them, that 60% of the clergy of these denominations do not believe in the, the virgin birth of Christ. And I was just floored. Like, how, how can you not believe that? But they don't. So we're going to look at the virgin birth and the message of that this morning. I've given you a lot of background, I know, already. And let's go on quickly here. Verse number 12. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. In verse 13, Isaiah says, he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing that you weary men? 
But will you weary my God? Also, he stands in the face of Ahaz and says, look, you're trying the patience, my patience. But will you try God's patience too? What he's saying is you're wearing God's patience thin. I believe we're living in a country today that we're wearing God's patience thin. We've been a very blessed country, but I believe we're wearing God's patience thin. And he says, hey, will you weary my God also? He said, I'll give you a sign anyway. Verse number 34, uh, uh, verse 14, in spite of you, he says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and ye shall call his name Emmanuel. You guys know the Christmas story in the book of Matthew. What does Emmanuel mean? And God with us is exactly what it means. The word Emmanuel means it's interpreted God with us. You may have that in the four-leaf of your Bible or the middle section or whatever in your Bible that tells you that in your Bible you hold right now. But it does mean that. Emmanuel means God with us. God is going to come down and be with us. This was a message of hope that he was giving uh, to this man that day and his nation that day, that the nation of Judah was going to survive and God was going to give him hope that day. In fact, if you look, uh, let me find the guy's name here real quick. Um, his son's name is Sins. Uh, verse number three. Go back to verse three. He said unto the Lord, the Lord said unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou and thy son, Shur Jeshub, thy son, at the end of the pool, the conduct, upper pool of the highway of the filler's field. Now, the reason I want you to look back at that, uh, his son's name, uh, Shur Jeshub, um, his son's name means a remnant shall return. Isaiah's name means that God speaks, Yahweh speaks. God speaks with us, and he says a remnant's going to return. It is a message of hope. Just by him sending his son and him there to uh, give Ahaz that message that God has a remnant, and God's going to keep us, and God's going to speak, and God's going to be with us. In the Christmas story this morning that we look at, you know, the the centuries we down through, we look at it now in our modern-day vernacular, God is going to be with us even today. God is with us. God is among us. God here. There, as we look at this prophecy this morning, let me read here quickly just a couple more verses, and I'll get a, get a couple points, and we'll, we'll get what God wants for us today. Verse number 15, butter and honey shall he eat. He's talking about the, the, the prophecy here. Verse 14, he shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall name, call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, and he may know to, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse evil and choose the good, the land which thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. You see, when the Old Testament, uh, almost always, I, I'm trying to think of a, a, a time, I don't want to make a, a definitive statement because it may not always happen, but all of them I can think of anyway, when uh, God makes a prophecy or sends a prophet to make a prophecy about something that's going to happen in the future, he always gives something where in the, the present tense something happens as well. Kind of to solidify what's going on in the, in the future. When he sends a prophet and says, I have a prophecy to, to proclaim, when he proclaims that prophecy, he also will proclaim something that's going to happen in the very near future. So when the people there in that day and age will see something that happens in the very near future, it will solidify something that's going to happen far off in the future. Does that make sense? It has a, a present fulfillment and a future fulfillment. The present fulfillment was he told them these two kings were going to try to come against you, but they will fail. In fact, before a child knows right and wrong, verse 16, before a child is two years old and knows right and wrong, these two kings are going to be out of your life. These two kings will be defeated. They will no longer be a problem for you. 
They would no longer come against Judah again. And so when you see the, the present fulfillment, he said, just like this is going to happen, this future fulfillment is also going to happen. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. And I want you to see here, back in verse number 14, behold, a virgin is, is a definite article. If you went back in the Hebrew and studied it out, it's, it's almost like as if it were saying, the virgin shall conceive. It's talking about a particular person. It's talking about a particular woman in, in, person, in particular. A young woman that has never had any kind of sexual contact. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. <coughs> and it even goes so far to say what his name would be. <coughs> so this uh, present fulfillment would take place. And then 700 years later, the other one would take place. But indeed, it did take place. So what about this virgin birth thing? Let's go back to that. And that's really what I want to focus on this morning because it's part of the Christmas story. You're going to hear it in Christmas songs. You're going to hear it on, see it on cards. You may hear it on the radio. You know, the, the virgin birth, the virgin born, the, the, uh, you know, the, the precious virgin's child or whatever. You're going to hear it throughout the Christmas season. And what does that really mean? It is an essential part of the Christmas story. It is an essential part of a lot of things. We're going to look at it this morning. And three things in particular, I want you to be able to see that the virgin birth is essential to these things. First of all, I want you to be able to see, to know who Jesus really is, the virgin birth is essential. It is essential that you understand the virgin birth. Anybody or any denomination or any pastor or any, anybody that, that denies the virgin birth, it is essential to understand who Jesus really is by the virgin birth. Because if the virgin birth, the virgin birth did not take place, Jesus is not God. And to properly understand who Jesus is, you must understand that this is indeed a virgin birth. And this prophecy that took place so long ago, back in Isaiah, did take place physically in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. That Jesus was born of a young woman, and she was a virgin. It's never happened since. It's never happened before. They can't make it happen again. You have modern-day technology and in vitro fertilization and all this stuff where they can kind of manipulate all this different stuff and then give the woman hormones to make her feel like, you know, she's, you know, whatever. We don't have to get into all the details of that. But the fact of the matter is, and we can put two women together and we can call it marriage or call it whatever we want in our society. But the fact of the matter is, in and of themselves, they cannot produce a child. You guys know that. That's common sense, right? Same thing with the other sex, the two men together. It will never happen. It will never take place where a woman by herself can conceive and bear a child. It's just, it's just not, it's biologically impossible. It can't happen. It won't happen. So God took something that was impossible for us to do to show us uh, the conception of Jesus Christ and who he is. And it's essential that we understand and know and believe the virgin birth to be able to know who Jesus really is. It is a, a definite article that means a specific woman that was a virgin would give birth to a child. Let me go to the New Testament, just a couple of verses here. I want to peel through real quickly for you. In Matthew 8, 18, it says, Before they came together, talking about Joseph and Mary, before they came together means physically, you guys get that, she was found to be with child of the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Ghost was the one that conceived Jesus there uh, in the Virgin Mary. And we'll go through this in just a second. Going to the next verse says, Clearly, uh, this clearly shows that Joseph did not, was not, and could not be the father. And Joseph, her husband, by the way he reacted, you can tell this. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to put her to shame or, or divorce her publicly, 
he resolved to divorce her quietly or privately. He was going to divorce her. He had all intentions of divorcing Mary, not making a big scene of it, but he was going to quietly divorce her and go on with his life. And then the angel come to him. He had the vision, that kind of thing, and realized that God indeed had spoken to this woman, and she was indeed still a virgin, and God, the Son of God, was going to be born from this woman. Matthew 125 says, But knew her, he knew her not, and I guess get the end of the story here with Joseph, and it says, He knew her not until she had given birth to her firstborn son. She was a virgin when Jesus was born. Luke 127 says, refers to Mary as the virgin twice. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. It's very clear in the New Testament that Mary is this virgin, and it's very clear that you know, she must be a virgin to be able to give birth to Jesus. Luke 134 reveals that Mary knew that she was a virgin. When, that's why she asked the, the, the angel such an obvious question. You know, if you go back to and look at... Um, uh, John the Baptist's dad, you know, Zechariah, he asked a question. He doubted God back when he was doing the temple sacrifice, and God struck him with, with dumbness for until John was born. He couldn't speak. But yet Mary asked a question, and nothing happens to her. Why? Because it was obvious that she said, this, 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 this is beyond the laws of nature. How can this thing be? How can this be since I am a virgin? I don't mean to belabor the point here this morning, but everybody agrees that she was a virgin. Jesus is fully man because he came from, mother, from Mary's womb. He is necessary for the Savior to be born of a woman so he could have the same nature as those he came to save. He had a human nature. Don't get this confused. He did not have a sin nature. He had a human nature. He had a human nature because he was born of a woman. See, Jesus has always existed. The Bible says he's been from ever from of old. And so when creation took place, Jesus was there. When uh, they said, let us make man their own image, one of the us is Jesus. One of those is Jesus. And they, he's always been there. He stepped out, in, out, of, out of, of the grandeur of heaven and limited himself to space and time to be born into a, a woman's womb, come into a woman's womb and be born of a virgin. So he could have that human nature that he could identify and pay for our sin. You see, the virgin birth of Jesus is a miraculous miracle, and it's something that is essential for us to be able to understand fully who Jesus is. He had to be born of a woman to have a human nature. He also had to have a not a human father, but to be fully God, he had to be conceived by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary. Now, don't get the wrong idea. Nothing went on that some sicko might tell you went on. God simply placed Jesus into the womb of Mary, and Mary was going to have a child that was going to be God. God simply used Mary to, for him to come into the human race and for him to be able to have a human nature, not a sin nature, but a human nature to the point where he could die. You see, a mortal, eternal God, he can never die unless he became human. Jesus became 100% human, but he was at the same time 100% God because he was conceived by God. And for us to understand the, the virgin birth or for us to deny the virgin birth would be to say that Jesus is not God, is, is the equivalent of that. If you say that Jesus Christ is not, if you deny the virgin birth, well, I don't believe Jesus was really born a virgin. I think he was just a good man. I think he was just somebody that kind of got along with everybody. I think he was just some man that had new kind of some hocus pocus that could do special stuff. No, friend, you got it all backwards. 
Because if Jesus is just a man, he cannot pay for your sin. If Jesus is just a man, he cannot atone for your sin because he's a sinner like everybody else. If she was not a virgin, Jesus was born a sinner like you and me. And that's not true. But Jesus was born of a virgin because he would be sinless and live a sinless life because he is, in fact, still God. He is 100% man because he was able to die. He was 100% God because he was able to raise again. He is born of a virgin. We must never get over this in the Christmas story. We never, must never get past this in the Christmas story. And we need to talk about this. And there may be some awkward questions about your four or five and six and seven years old asking you about what a virgin is. But you need to get across to them somehow that Jesus was born because he was born of God, not just like you, you, know, just like you were born. We need to understand and employ and understand that virgin birth is an essential fact of who Jesus is, to understand who Jesus is. Jesus has two natures, a human and divine. As human, he was able to experience all that we experience, and as God, he fulfilled all the requirements that were required for your salvation and mine. You guys know the story of all the sacrifices in the Old Testament. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. He was the only one that can fulfill that. It's essential to know who Jesus is uh, by believing the virgin birth. If you deny the virgin birth, you can't really know who Jesus is. Second of all, it's essential, the virgin birth is essential to know what salvation is. I'm not saying that everybody that gets saved has to make a confession that, you know, Mary's virgin birth. It was a virgin, we, I believe in the virgin birth of Mary. Although, you may not know all those details when you get saved, although after you get saved, you're going to understand that and you're going to believe that and once you find out about that because that's who Jesus is. And for somebody to say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the virgin birth. I don't believe Jesus was born of a virgin. My friend, you just denied who Jesus is and you, you can't understand salvation through that because of that. And salvation is essential to know the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. It hinges on the salvation of your soul and mine. Because if Jesus was not virgin-born, he is, in fact, a sinner. In fact, he's worse than that. They had an affair, and somebody's trying to cover something up. It gets ugly if it's not true. But, in fact, it is true. For Corinthians 5.21 says, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he was made to be sin for those who knew, he who knew no sin, so that he might become, we might become the righteousness of God. Let me try that verse again. For our sakes, he made him, God made him to be, be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life just so he could take your sin and mine. Just so he could say he cared about you. That, my friend, is a message of hope this morning. They should call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. The Hebrew uh, word order there, sometimes it's, it's backwards from what we uh, would think as far as you know, placement of words in a sentence. But it literally means in Hebrew, God, uh, with us is God. With us is God. That's what it means in Hebrew. It means that God came down and he was going to be among us, with us, for us. One commentator puts it this way, if you have a problem with the virgin conceiving, and bearing a child, that should be nothing in comparison to the thought that God is now in the flesh. You have a whole lot of problems. You're going to have a whole lot of problems. It is essential for us to know who Jesus is. It's essential for us to know salvation. Let me get on thirdly and finally this morning. It is essential for us to know the true meaning of Christmas. For Christmas to be true. You must understand the virgin birth 
in order for Christmas to be true. Emmanuel means God with us. It means God has come down and is, is going to be a part of us and who we are. And God has many other names in Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 6. And uh, it tells us some of the names of God and who he is. But here in chapter 7, it says he is Emmanuel. It means God is going to be with us and God is going to be for us. And it brings a message of unparalleled hope in your life and in mine. Matthew starts off with Emmanuel. If you read, we read some of the verses a while ago in the first chapter of Matthew. And God starts off, you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. It gives the interpretation there in Matthew, saying that God is going to be with us. It's very interesting if you go all the way through the book of Matthew, by the time you get to the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus has is, is already died, he's risen from the dead, he's getting ready to ascend back up into heaven. And some of the last words that Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20, Behold, I, am, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. See, when God is with us, he never leaves us. When God come down and he come as a child, as a born of a virgin there that day, that Christmas story that we all think of and look back on, from that point forward, God is with us. He's always been with us. He says here at the end of his ministry here in the book of Matthew that he will always be with us. And that is the, the present we have as Christmas today, the joy that we can have as Christmas. And the future we have is in the Christmas story because Jesus is not only with us then, he's with us now. You see, a lot of times we look at the Christmas story and we see the manger scene. We see the, you know, the stuff long, long ago. We, we see the little kids dressed up in bed sheets and, you know, stuff on their heads and the long shepherd hook or whatever standing there. And we sing Christmas songs and we say, well, that's just a pretty story. That's wonderful. That was a long time ago. What in the world does it have to do with me now? What's it have to do with my family catching COVID? What's it have to do with my family having financial hardship because my job is now evaporated because of all this garbage is going on this year? <clears throat> what, that, what does that have to do with me? How is this going to help me? How is God going to be with me because of some virgin birth story? What in the world good is this going to do me? You get a pair of blabbing all morning about a virgin birth. How is that going to help me personally? My friend, it has a lot to do with you personally. Because the story is when Jesus, shut, when God sent Isaiah to speak to Ahaz, he was given Ahaz, although he didn't deserve it. And anybody from anybody's imagination, I mean, from anybody's uh, view of Ahaz, he did not deserve to be saved. He did not deserve to be protected. He did not deserve the, the pardon that God was going to give him. And, and he gets his, you know, nobody gets away with sin. I'm not saying he got away with anything. But I'm telling you, he didn't, in anybody's estimation, he wouldn't be worthy. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us to the end of the age. The virgin birth <clears throat> is a mysterious miracle. And so is the mysterious miracle of the new birth. Ask God right now to do a miracle in you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you can today, friend. You see, the virgin birth matters in your situation, in your life, and in my life now because God brings hope to those that do not deserve it. God gives peace to those that, that do not deserve it. God brings help to those that don't deserve it. God offers salvation to those that can never, ever repay it. When God showed up that night and, and as a baby and was born that that night and from Mary in the virgin birth of the manger scene that you see that night God has stepped on the scene of humanity and he's going to pay a salvation debt that none of us offer none of us others can offer and none of us can repay it and none of us deserve it my friend, that's the joy of the Christmas story that God has came down and he is among us he lives among us, he is with us he protects us, he helps us and he gives us hope that there is something else better than this and wherever you are today, 
<clears throat> the virgin birth has an effect on your life and in mine because it represents who Jesus is. May we never back up on the facts of the fact that Jesus was born, born of a virgin. And Mary was a virgin. And God fulfilled his prophecy 700 years before that. He said that, behold, a virgin shall conceive. And God followed through exactly as he said he would. My friend, in your life and in mine, I'm not sure what your family's going through, what you're going through, or what you're facing. I'm sure there's some unrest. There's probably unrest in everybody's life. How many of you here, or under the sound of my voice, know somebody personally that has had COVID or even passed away from COVID? I have. I know a couple of people have passed away from it. It is something that's probably affected all of us. And it might not be that. It may just be the economical, you know, downturn because of that. It may be something else or some supply and demand issue with some medication you normally take or whatever the case is. And things seem to be weird. 2020 seems like it's a big wash. You know, we just need to wad that up and throw it in, the, in file 13 somewhere and, don't, and just go on with our life next year and hopefully things get better. We can try that. But my friend, if you want to find real hope, you need to find Jesus. God is the only one that can give you real hope. And in this Christmas season more than any other time of the year, we're pointing back, the world is pointing back to where Jesus is in the manger scene and why Jesus came in the virgin birth is at the very center of that because God wants to come and have a relationship with you. He wants to be with you, God with us, us with God, and God among us. Let's bow our heads for prayer this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I pray today will be that day that you invite him in. Accept him by faith. Just like he told Ahaz, if you believe, you will receive. But if you don't believe, you will not receive him. And you won't have the protection, the salvation, the peace that God gives the home in heaven. You won't have any of that if you don't believe in Jesus as your Savior. It's a simple prayer way. All you have to do is bow your head and pray to God, <clears throat> ask God confess to God that you're a sinner and tell God that you're not perfect and that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself and you humbly ask God to save you instead. You come to God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I want you to save me. I confess you as my Savior. I give my life to you. My friend, if you will do that to the Lord Jesus Christ, he will come into your life, and you will know the true meaning of what Emmanuel means, God with us. He will come on the inside of you and be part of your life from that moment forward. And whatever you face, you can have the hope and the joy that God gives. And in one day, when you close your eyes for the last time, and the next time you open them, you'll see Jesus face to face. And you can know for sure that you have a home in heaven. I pray that's you this morning, friend. For those here that you've accepted your, the Lord as your Savior and, and you're kind of struggling this year. You're not sure what's going to go on the, you know, the rest of this year and, the, and next year. You're not really sure. And there's some hope. There, there's a lack of hope. There's some fear. There's some heartache. There's some trouble. My friend, won't you turn and embrace Jesus this morning? God wants to give you hope. And God is the creator of hope. And God knows all things. And God knows your things. And God can lead you this morning. I pray this was a help to you this morning.
Thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast. We hope you'll join us again soon. May God bless you.